0: Good evening, everybody, and welcome to the 24th episode of the Sport Limerick Soccer Podcast. We're down one man this evening, Noel, uh, with Jason O'Connor. He said he's taking a, a week's hiatus um, uh, for this week and a night off uh, for for this week. Um, He'll uh, be sorely missed, as our, our viewers will be will attest to as well. But you're here to keep the show on the road, not?
1: might be the the public holiday that the government are granting. Uh... The frontline workers after the COVID epidemic, maybe today is Jason's uh, public holiday. Yeah, maybe.
0: there's a, Maybe there's a relation there. Maybe maybe so. <laughs> but um, I suppose on to business for ourselves and to start off with the Treaty United men's team like we always do. Noel, last week they earned a nil all draw against Cork City at the Markets Field. As it turned out, Noel, it'd be fair to say that it probably wasn't the most significant result for Treaty that night in that Wexford went and beat Athlone uh, at lissie Woolen so even though again a, a draw against Cork it wasn't the victory but it was a good draw and then of course Wexford winning it, it was a good night for Treaty as it turned out gained a point on Athlone as well
1: Yeah it turned out to be a great night overall and look the point in itself against Cork I think was was going to make it a good night anyway even if Athlone had beaten Wexford but it was like the icing on the cake um, the fact that Wexford turned over Athlone so, you know, a really good night for Treaty. Um, another typical performance of the last four or five weeks. And I suppose in the game we say, you know, that the results are paramount and certainly that's borne fruit. Um, not a whole lot of endeavor in the in the final third for Treaty. I thought I thought Cork um, they really dominated the game. You know, they create a lot of chances and they they troubled both full backs in the treaty lineup, particularly uh, Charlie Fleming again, I thought he had a um a tough enough night with Dylan McGlade, but unfortunately, from a Cork point of view, there wasn't any end product in the final third where they did have a couple of really good chances. Um they they probably needed to score maybe to maybe tempt Treaty out a little bit. And uh it might have been a better game. But the longer it went on, they'll all it suited sort of Treaty down to the ground and and, and that's the way that's the way it has been. They've been quite, you know defensive and solid and prepared to defend the last 30 or 40 metres of, of, of the pitch and let the opposition come on to them. And that's the way it was. And, as you know, for as long as it stays nil all, it's 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 working very well for them. It's another point gained. You know, they're obviously determined and we're delighted about it that they're in a playoff position and they are going to hold on to that position. Now it's only a matter of where they're going to finish. And um, I think it was fair to say, you know, what we said last week about the kind of will, the the wind being out at the Cork City sales after the defeat to Cork. I think it was, you could kind of see it. They were just not as sharp or not as bright as they had been the previous few weeks um, prior to the Shelburne defeat. And um, you couldn't really grumble with the result. Um, it probably wasn't a great spectacle to watch, but a great result, uh, another point, and really cements his place in the playoff.
0: Yeah, as you mentioned there, Noel, it was quite obvious, really, that Treaty set up in a defensive manner. They would have been happy by the looks of it with the point uh, from the outset in, in this game. On the, big, the biggest positive, I suppose, because there was a point there in the middle of the season, maybe coming towards the end of the last round of fixtures, where you were looking at Treaty and saying they're a bit more open than we were used to seeing them at, at the start for the first maybe 11 or 12 games. The best part of the recent uh, run that, that they're on as such is the fact that they've kept a few clean sheets and they look uh, defensively solid, as you mentioned again.
1: Yeah, particularly against the Calibre opposition. You're, you're talking about Galway and, and you know, resurging Cork, you know, whatever, what we'll keep the clean sheet against Cove. But uh, certainly those ones are, are stand out. Um, you see Galway scoring four goals against UCD last last weekend and before up to a couple of weeks so Cork were regularly putting two and three goals in against the opposition um, certainly I thought Callum McNamara was outstanding um, on Friday night you know it was kind of surprising maybe that he hadn't played for a few weeks I think he's been really really good you know a really good number six and the, and once again the two treaty center centre-halves Anto Donald and Mark Walsh particularly Mark Walsh I think he's he's tackling or he's you know his ability to, um, to dispossess in in his own defensive area and all during the season has been outstanding. And, you know, they're a, real, they're a really good partnership and they've really kind of gelled together. And they're typical of a good centre-half partnership. If you look at them individually, people may say, you know, they're not particularly great, but together they're certainly a fantastic unit. And that's always a hallmark of of of, of a good defensive team. Allied to that, then, you have Ty Grine again, who was... Obviously, his confidence is sky high, you know, with the amount of clean sheets that he's kept, the amount of outstanding saves he's made, he's made the way he sweeps behind his two centre-halves. Um, he's really been excellent as well.
0: Yeah, it certainly has been. Uh, Ty Ryan has been in, in great form as of late. Uh, I mentioned this, Tommy, after the game, but it was a sour note, all, and it came the day after we were discussing... Uh, team shape, tactics and uh, team news the night before the Cork game, or sorry, two nights before the Cork game. But then we found out the day before the Cork game that Ed McCarty had departed uh, quite suddenly uh, from the 3D United squad and is now back with Region United in the Limerick District Junior League. Uh, I have to say, speaking to people and on my own opinion, and I'm sure it's probably the opinion yourself, it was very disappointing news, uh, considering Ed McCarty had been involved in, 22 out of 23 games, I, th- I believe, this season had been you know very versatile, had been a key player for Tommy, as I mentioned to Tommy after the game, probably the flagship player when you look at the three the United motto, the, the young local talent coming through. Uh, so it would have been really disappointing for, for the club to, to lose him. For, frustrating as well because of the fact that he was playing so well, Noel, for, for him to be dropping back down to, to junior football.
1: Yeah, I think it's hugely disappointing. There's no doubt about it, to be honest with you. I, I didn't know a lot about him um, and I thought he was really, really good. He looked to me like a real talent. Um, he had been moved around the pitch and we were kind of given out about it. But, it, you know, I thought that, you know, being a local player and again, you're right about saying, you know, the, the treaty model, giving local guys a chance, getting them to play at the highest level. You know, he was like the flagship of that whole model um the fact that it happened you know really really suddenly as well because you're wondering say well you know would you not stick it out now for the season particularly that there's a playoff to come um you know which kind of is uh you know for some guys it may well be the highlight of their careers um you know without delving into too much because obviously it's it's his decision and you know he's an amateur retreat and there was mention about a job and, uh, you know, from having conversation with people I know myself, there there certainly is, I'd have to say, plenty of jobs around for people if they want them at the moment. I mean, there's a lot of sections of industry that are crying out for people to go to work. And I, I do recall and I, I had a conversation with a former Limerick manager uh, as well about a player in my time when I was involved with Crew Park and Limerick came calling and um, Crewe Park were determined to to him, but he said it wasn't about money or anything else. He just wanted to play at the highest level. And uh, unfortunately, it seems that it's not the same for Ed McCarthy. And playing at the highest level that he can isn't as important, you know, to him. And that's the way it is. And hopefully that we won't have too many of those, because we certainly want guys from the, uh, from Limerick to play. Whoever club is the incumbent in the Autricity League for the region, you know, we certainly want all the players locally to aspire to play for for that club.
0: Yeah, that is a huge point because Tommy did mention, obviously you said there is a link uh, apparently there with the, the regional club and Ed in terms of the job. Um, that that seemed to be clear. Then you also had, a, we'll say, apparently regional before he'd even signed, there wasn't a agreement there that he would return uh, at some point. Now Tommy, is like you, thought he would end up this, finishing the season with treaty at this stage, uh, but there, you know, I suppose it's, it's disappointing to the fact that you would hope really that you know that some players would be encouraged, even at this point, just even to have finished out the season, we'll say by a club that's courting him. Um, you know, and you'd, you'd hope that junior clubs in Limerick that's probably the aim for treaty is that they buy in and run and behind, you. and you want to be representing your senior club, and you are encouraged to do that, and obviously. You don't want too many cases where where this kind of situation is happening, even though we don't know the ins and outs of it.
1: No, we don't. But I suppose, you know, the reality is that, and again, I would have had this in my own time in Limerick. um, You know, the original model that I had was I was over the youth team for four or five years in Limerick, and then I became the senior manager. And an awful lot of the players who went on to play under me were players who had come through the youth side. And they never actually did play in in the Junior Soccer League. And I suppose the idea of having these academy sides, you know, that treaty have the 15s and the 17s and the 19s, you know, and particularly the younger you go, the 14s as well, that these lads will be kind of indoctrined, if you like, into senior soccer from from a young age and are around guys who are playing senior football. And and they won't have, if you like, broke out into junior football to come back. And I suppose where Treaty were at the start of the season, You know, such short notice in terms of signing a squad, you know, it's obvious that they would have gone and had a look around the junior circles and known, you know, who were the good players. And the fact that there was no senior team for for a year or two, that's where they were. But I think as the years go on, you know, you probably see fewer and fewer players, you know, breaking into the local senior team through the door, if you like, of junior football and you'll have more and more coming directly through the uh, the underage system within the club.
0: Yes, certainly hope that, would, that will be the norm in the future, Nolan. Obviously, that is the aim. Uh, you were obviously manager of Limerick, Nolan. You would have had to deal with a similar situation in, in that, you know, particularly one instance that springs to mind of me is Brian Donlin, for instance, who was juggling uh, work and, and playing among the rest of the lads. That's just one example at the time that we're juggling, you know, and it might have been quite hard. Some guys stepped away from it for a while. There was a few that, uh, you know, Paul Finucane stepped away for a while as well and came back for, for you too um, due, to, due to other commitments. Did you find, you no? Know, and this is just maybe looking at it from the point of view of will Ed McCarthy maybe come back, like Tommy said, maybe in the future to League One. Did you find that those lads maybe struggled once they'd taken time out of Eritrea's league when they came back or, or what's your view on that? Yeah,
1: I don't think it's easy. Like it's, you know, it's not a great time to be stepping out for Ed McCarthy. I think, you know, I think, you you certainly need a couple of seasons in. Um, players get better, you know, and they get more accustomed to physically, the training, you know, the the lifestyle, if you like. Um, you know, to step out of that, I don't think the standards are as high in junior football. A lot of guys are there on their ability. You know, they may well not have to look after them. So they might be out for an hour or two on a Saturday night or maybe longer, still able to turn up on a Sunday morning and and give a performance, an adequate one, if you like that's not how it works in, in senior football and you know you'd like to think some of the Treaty lads as well and we've kind of been mentioning it and Ed McCarthy might have been one. one of not saying that there would be a host of clubs in looking for him but you know in a couple of years you know after establishing himself in the first division you know and playing really well with Treaty you know it was possible that maybe one of the Premier sides you know would have come looking and maybe offered him a full-time con- contract and Ireland, the likes of Bohemians or someone like that and you know you wouldn't really you know be disappointed to see that. You'd actually be happy to see that, that uh, the fact that the model was working, if guys are good enough to play at a higher level, no more than when they come to treaty, that they can move to the next level as well. But, you know, it's, it's hard to see a guy coming back and being better than he was. And, you know, there'll be some bad habits, you know, to be picked up. And it's hard to break them, particularly at that age. So I think, as I said, as the years go on, there'll probably be less and less coming through the junior football ranks and they'll be coming in maybe at a younger age or maybe coming from other League of Ireland clubs, underage ones, to to get a chance to play senior football, you know, be it maybe from the Cork or the Cork under-19s or the Galloway under-19s, you know, with a Limerick kind of a link, that they'll come here maybe to to get experience of playing senior football.
0: Yeah, and given your own experience and, and many experience of other Limerick managers, I think that's probably what needs to happen at this stage and you know? all. Uh, to be honest with you. Um, just to move on now from, from that situation, we move on to the Shelburne game for 3D on Friday evening. It's it's a very uh, tough night, time to go to Tolka at any time, Noel, but you know, you're going there now with with Shelburne knowing that if they win, they're going to be league champions. Uh, it's going to be a huge night in Tolka Park. They're expecting almost a sellout from what I believe uh, Shelburne are. So they're really excited uh, it, it couldn't be a, a tougher time, really, for Treaty for to go. But look, the other side of it is maybe Shelburne might have one eye off the ball. And and if Treaty win, they know that they are absolutely guaranteed, uh, no questions asked, a playoff place as well.
1: Yeah, and I think that, you know, without it being said in the dressing room or training, whatever, I think they are guaranteed a playoff place because I, I even if Treaty don't pick up a pint between now and the end of the season, I can't see any of the two teams behind them, you know, going four wins out of four. So and that might relax treaty as well and say, you know, it certainly is a game now where they can really have a have a cut. And I know we've said it once or twice, but there's no getting away from it now that, you know, they could really have a go and just see what they're made of. And maybe they need to think about that if, 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 if they're behind in a if they get to the playoff final, for example, it's two legs and they're behind from the first leg, you know, and they have to go and win a game, you know, there's there's no, get, there's no better chance of rehearsal than maybe this game on Friday night. Now, I do think that Shelburne will be a real handful as well. I think they'll be determined to win this title at home. And I think, obviously, they're going to win it anyway. So it isn't that they're under massive pressure to win on Friday night. It's more of a desire to do it and put on a show for their fans and the way that they're playing at the moment. And as I've said it before, you know, they're, they're littered with goals. They're not really dependent on one guy or two guys to score. They seem to have to score from anywhere. Um, I, I'll be surprised if Tweetie get into and out of this game but uh, it would it be nice to see him having a real go um, the, the shackles should be off a little bit with both teams and you know it could be a really really good game
0: yeah there's certainly a lot of makings of a good game which, as you said hopefully the shackles of, of both teams being let off Although, how many times have we said that in the past and they end up being nil all draws with very little happening but we take that result as well Noel, realistically and uh, just a word on Shelburne I suppose and um, As I said last week, Noel, you were adamant that Shelburne would be too strong for this league. That has turned out to be the case all season. There was never really much doubt from maybe the fifth or sixth game on, really, that Shelburne probably would go on and win the league. Had it been very consistent, great great attacking traits, solid enough at the back, uh, good goalkeepers at this level. Do you think, we'll say, that they've learned now from their first sojourn into Premier Football, do you think that this time around they will be more equipped for the Premier Division?
1: Yeah, well, you'd like to think so. And I think the experience and going back again so quickly will certainly stand to them. I think they probably have better characters around the place than than they had, I thought, some of the characters they had in the dressing room last year, particularly towards the end of the season when things started to go wrong. You know, kind of their demise came a lot faster maybe than if they had a better group around the place. And you're looking at the two teams that went up I mean, you saw that Longford went up via the playoff and it's been a really, really difficult season for them. You look at Dundalk trying to get out of the playoff place tonight, you know, which they possibly will in the next couple of weeks. And while Drahada, you know, have done very well this season, and I've said it here a few times, I'm not going to be surprised if they end up in the playoff place. So it just shows you the golf uh, in class when you go up. Um, I'm sure there will be money for Shelburne and they might be able to bring in a few more players. And those players in because I think I've said it once or twice at times this season, I've been quite disappointed with Shelburne at times and uh, they haven't looked to me like a team that are going to do great next year in the Premier League, but I'm sure they will bring in a few more in, but certainly a big gulf in class, if you like, between the Premier and the first and it's it's not that easy to bridge it you know, there's obviously one way is to throw a lot of money at it, Um, I'm sure Shelburne you know, as they've done before will certainly get an increase in budget and it, it it may be enough for them to to stay away from the, the bottom two or three. But you see, to try and break into that top four or five with the likes of Shamrock Rovers and Pats and Sligo and Bose and, and Derry now, you know, they're going to be very strong next year as well. You know, survival will be the name of the game uh, for Shelburne next year, I've I, I have no doubt. Uh, certainly
0: will be the case. And at the moment, uh Noel on the Shelburne panel, you actually have two former Limerick FC goalkeepers. Um, Brendan Clark is the man between the sticks with Jack Brady, deputising for him a few times, but mostly uh on the bench. Jack Brady might be quite disappointed in in some ways, Noel, with his time with Shelburne because you know he went in after being playing on Limerick team where which was very low confidence, but he was very good in that team. I mean, they would have lost some games eight or nine-nil, especially towards the end of the season if it wasn't for him. Um the, the, the one thing interesting thing you had Colin McCabe was with Jack, you know, 50 50 last year going for the position. Then Colin McCabe went to Drada. So Jack Brady probably would have assumed he was going to be number one, particularly in the first division where he probably feels he had proved himself to be more than adequate. And then you bring in Brendan Clark uh, to Shelburne. I thought it was a strange move at the time. They'll, you know, justify it by the fact that Brendan now is, is on a first division uh, winning team. But I suppose for, for his own career, it looks like Jack Brady you know, probably needs to get a move from Shelburne.
1: Yeah, and I'm sure there'll be a few takers as well. Maybe if not in the Premier, there'll certainly be some of the the first division size will look for him. Um, They seem to be becoming a more scarce commodity as as time goes on, good keepers. And, uh, you know, you have the likes of maybe Longford back down or whoever, and, you know, he, he might fancy... Some first team football. So I'm 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 sure he I'm sure he will get a few offers. And he'll he'll certainly get one from Shelburne as well to stay. And it depends whether he wants to be a number two or whether he wants to play. That'll be a decision he'll have to make.
0: Yeah, certainly. And I suppose on the team news for treaty Noel, we're probably not going to be expecting wholesale changes by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, two changes we probably will expect will be Sean McSweeney back into the starting eleven and Mark Ludden back into the starting eleven.
1: Yeah, certainly Mark Loudon in as well. Like uh, as far as I know, they were kind of managing. uh, Sean McSweeney, I thought he made a great impact when he came on Uh, himself and Conor Melody. I thought Conor Melody did very well too, kind of lit up the place, and they could have snuck it in the end as well. Remember, Sean McSweeney had a good chance from a header, and he scored some really good headers this season. But um, whether I'm I'm sure injury permitting, if, if he's fit to play, you know you'd certainly like to see him play and. While Clyde O'Connell did quite well, I thought overall, you know, to be thrown in the left full, which is a very specialised position, and he hadn't played the raw year. Um, I'm sure that Mark London will come straight into the team, and they'll certainly need him on uh, on on Friday night.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I suppose for this part of the show, Noel, we normally have yourself and Jason pinging off each other in first division predictions. So I'd we'll probably just have more of a discussion tonight as well as a prediction from yourself on on the games. Uh, the first one is, is quite an interesting one because even though I've been banging on about Treaty trying to keep a gap on that loan, it's brave that it would be a lot more worried than Treaty or would have been uh, coming into last week at least uh, up until now. Probably slightly disappointed with Bray in terms of I thought they'd be uh, slightly higher up in the table. They host Cork City uh, Friday night, and that's certainly a game that Gary Cronin will be fearful of, you'd imagine.
1: Yeah, I think so. And I saw a good bit of their match on Saturday night. It's an interesting game against, um, Cove, against like Cove. They went to goal up and uh, they looked to be cruising. And Cove brought on a substitute. I can't remember the chaff's name, but he was at Waterford and broke his he's, he's leg in pre season. And with his first touch, he was taken down for a penalty and and Bray had a man sent off and next thing was one all and Bray were down to ten men now and fairness uh they scored soon after to regain the lead, but from the centre off Cove actually scored directly. some guy had a shot from from the from the kick off and it went over the keeper's head and into the net, but the referee disallowed the goal because he hadn't blown for far the kick off, so they managed to hang on. I think it was a really, really big win for them in fairness. And a very, very important win as well. It's really, really hard to call this. You're just wondering what kind of form that that Cork will be in. Um, it's obviously an important game for for Bray as well. And I think, it to me, it, it looks like a draw. Two kind of even teams, in fairness. Two teams that have, you know, really will be disappointed overall with how they've done this year. Although, Bray, if they get to the playoffs and win a match, then you know, and get to that playoff final, it'll be a great season. So it's just the way the game goes, but it looks to me like a draw that game.
0: Yeah, and that brings us on to Athlone and Kevin Teeley. You Noel, know, when Paul Doolan was introduced as manager of Athlone, we all thought maybe there was going to be a bounce. That hasn't really worked out to be the case, not consistently anyway. There has been flashes of of a win here or there, but nowhere near the consistency they needed. Um, I know Jason probably maybe disagrees a bit with, with himself. I, I don't realistically think at loan are as strong as jason was saying although people will say on paper that they are but in seeing them in pre-season and then throughout the season i don't think they were um you know this game against cavan this probably could go either way now because you were talking about the the wind going out of the sails of cork realistically at will be thinking the same thing i know that won't be said in the media but you'd imagine that will be the case like as last week was was almost last chance saloon especially with treaty and bray picking up points
1: yeah, and then you're thinking that Paul Doolin has got a chance to come back in and manage, at, you know, and with the great start he had beating Galloway, things looked like it was a great decision and they've kind of slipped with a couple of, of defeats. I suppose the one thing they're not doing that they were doing up to Paul Doolin's rival is conceding three, four and five goals in matches. Um, They've certainly caught that. You know, they'll really be devastated by by the defeat last week. But if you remember, they only drew four all with Wexford in the previous Fixture as well, and uh, I I think that he has enough about in Paul Doolin to to rally them back up, you know, and they're probably playing for their futures as well, and he'd be telling them that he would tell them that there's obviously uh, a few bob available in that loan. It's not in every first division club, mm. um, and I'm sure players will be playing for a contract for next season, and because of Healy's poor form and the fact that at loan last last week and then Weigert. To bounce back, I nearly expected alone to get a win there.
0: Yeah, and then you have Cove and Galway. I know you said you watched Cove last week. No, I suppose in one way it, it summed up Cove Rambler season to, to actually you know play against ten men. You you get a penalty, they're are down to ten men. Then Bray a score and and Cove then obviously score, and it's, not, it's ruled it's rolled out. It just it is summed up everything that's happened for Cove. This or not happened, should I say? In some respects, for Cove, they now host the Galway side who. It's amazing, really, because I've seen Galway a few times. I've been far from impressed with them. But let's be honest: was I ever going to be impressed by by the way John Carthy would set up his side? Or, you know, it's very diligent. They get the results. You know that, that's the way it goes. They're they're ten points off Shelburne, but they're the best of the rest right now. Um, and they will be very difficult uh, match for it, particularly any of the other first division teams in the playoff. They will probably be, no, you'd imagine, the favourites to get out of the first division section of the playoff.
1: I think there's no doubt about that and you'd expect him to go to Cove and win. Um, there'll be no complacency or no lack of effort or no switch off, as you said, with John Coffin's team. The fact they got four goals last week as well, you know, because we've been talking about their lack of goals. Um, Cove will really feel the pressure now with, with Wexford as well winning. I think that's down to four points mm. between, you know, 10th and ninth, and uh there's nothing worse than looking over your shoulder with a team getting a few wins behind you. And uh, I, I couldn't see anything else, Sonia Galway win there.
0: Yeah, that brings us on nicely, actually, to the last game we'll be talking about, which is Wexford and the UCD. We've been speaking about it for the last few weeks how there has been improvement in Wexford. And uh, saw that when you see they went that long and won, they, they should have beaten Treaty when they played Treaty at the Markets Field as well. They have been steadily improving, but you'd imagine there'd be a bit of excitement there. Now, obviously, as you said, they'll be trying to catch Cove in the short term, but there'll probably be a bit of excitement into what can we do next year uh, with Wexford, can we improve and get up the table? So they'll have that bit of bounce as well. They're coming up against a fairly formidable attacking outfit when they want to be in UCD, who will be hurting massively from the manner of their defeat against Galway. And again, they'll be looking to how they can rectify things for the playoffs as well.
1: Yeah, I think they will. And listen, it could be a great game. Now you were talking about a game with goals. You could certainly see goals in that game. And uh, if the two of them go for it, I think, you know, it could be a high-scoring game. And again, just a bit more firepower and a bit more class and quality with UCD. The fact that they are looking for, you know, for a win to stay in the playoffs or stay as as high as they can the league, you'll certainly see um, a UCD win there.